Welcome to Exploring Possibilities. I'm your host, Cheryl Sitz. Since 2012, Mario Rosales of Tech Life Balance and I have been airing inspiring, insightful conversations with all kinds of change agents who are raising the vibration on our planet. It's the intention of this show to, well, explore possibilities and shift perspectives in holistic spiritual ways. You'll hear how these experts discover and share their deepest passions to make a bigger difference in the world. Don't forget to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or Google Play. And please rate the show so other people can find us too. We'll introduce today's guest in just a moment. Have you ever gone to a social media seminar and you have the online experts telling you, get a blog, get a website, get on social media, all this other stuff. By the time you're done with that seminar, that online expert is very good at frying your brain. <laughs> the funny part is, you come back home, you get in front of the computer, and you're lost. Hi, I am Mario with Tech Life Balance. I see this all the time. You spend so much money and still don't know what is going on with your online presence. And you know, you probably don't need all of that. Let me go ahead and translate geek to english for you and show you what you really need because you don't need it all. You probably only need a few components. You have a great message out there and I would like to hear it and I definitely want to help you put it out there. I am Mario Rosales with techlifebalance.net. I produce this podcast because I love distributing messages. Let me help you distribute your message. Who are you? Why are you here? What wonders and opportunities await you beyond physical death? What happened millennia ago to create the damaged earth and fractured societies you see around you? Empowering, enlightening, internationally acclaimed, the Joseph Communications books offer answers to these questions. Spiritual, concise, contemporary, non-denominational, the communications originate from Joseph, a highly evolved discarnate spirit concerned for you and the future of the planet and its peoples. The words of Joseph and his soul group give you the power to bring light and change into your own life and the lives of others and to restore the earth. Available in paperback, ebook and audiobook formats, the communications can be ordered today at www.thejosephcommunications.com and also from Amazon and other major booksellers. All proceeds are used for further publishing and advertising and to make the communications available worldwide. Welcome to the Christmas edition of Exploring Possibilities. I hope you are ready for the holidays because ready or not, they are here. We have been busy putting the finishing touches on our next digital magazine. And I don't mind telling you at this point, it's actually our last digital magazine, at least for a while. So I hope you will check this out. Remember, you can sign up for it at journeyofpossibilities.com absolutely free. Our theme is divine guidance. So we will be talking about the Joseph Communications, which are transmedium channeled materials. And we will also be exploring through our contributors what divine guidance looks and feels like, how you know that you're in it, how you can recognize it. Divine Guidance and Spirituality in Contrast to Religion and the Differences There and the Similarities. So there's a lot of good stuff in this issue. I hope you'll check it out. Again, it's going to be at journeyofpossibilities.com coming out next week. 
Another announcement I have is I'm going to be part of something called the Souls Compass Summit. I'm really excited about this. It's going to be February 19th, and my piece is going to be around how to consciously create more of what you really want. It's a topic I've become pretty passionate about. I've got lots of tips and strategies. It's not just the traditional law of attraction stuff. There's a lot more going on there, so I hope you'll join me for that. And now on with today's content. I think we'll start, well, first of all, sitting over here patiently is Mario Rosales. He's joining me today. Hello, everybody. (laughs) So the first thing I wanted to talk about, Mario, is this supermoon Mercury retrograde that's had technology and communication breaking down all over the place. The entire world is coming to an end. (laughs) At least that's what it feels like sometimes. And working in IT, yeah, it's uh, right along with me there. (laughs) I mean, people's phones have been breaking, computers have been breaking, and communication has just been breaking down a lot. And you brought up an interesting point the other day. We're at the holidays, which is when families get together. And that can be challenging enough without the added complications of Mercury retrograde lending to more miscommunication. I'm just waiting for the fist fights to come out. That's all. <laughs> oh, don't create that, please. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not ready for that. <laughs> Well, my background is in communication, and so I wanted to share a couple of simple communication strategies that I think will help you this holiday season, and really any time, but more now than ever. So we get together with our family because we love them, but even though we love them, we're not necessarily good at spending quantities of time together in the same room, and so there can be kind of attention already that exists. And then if somebody speaks up and says something that rubs you the wrong way, the tendency is to flare up and defend your position. And before we know it, we've got a fight on our hands. So I'm really intrigued by how often what happens is really a miscommunication. Well, so-and-so said this. Well, that's not really what they said, or they didn't mean it the way you took it. So one easy strategy to keep that from happening is what I call active listening. And it's when you hear somebody say something to you, you rephrase it back to them the way you understood them to mean it. So an example of that would be, so you're asking me to restate what I just heard in my own words? And that's exactly right. And Mario and I, we do this all the time, and we're surprised just in a day-to-day basis how often we misunderstand each other. Yeah, it's very easy to to speak. It, I mean, it comes back to that book, what uh, Mar- Mars, women are from men, Mars are from Men Venus, are from Mars, Mars women are from Venus, yeah. Whatever that book is, but <laughs> it, it definitely is true. I mean, there is different ways of communicating with each other. It's It's interesting because what I can be saying... And I think I'm saying cannot be sometimes misunderstood. It can be misunderstood. And I'm fascinated by that, that, (laughs) that those conversations sometimes happen that way. Well, and that's Nala, in case you hear the cat meowing in the background. She loves to join us and chime in. Well, what we studied when we studied communication, and and I did my degree in this, there were a lot of places where misunderstandings can happen. So it can be everything from... You know, if I'm distracted and I'm only half listening to you, if we're talking about something that's a sensitive topic, 
so I misunderstand because it's something that's sensitive to me. And so when you say it, I'm already emotionally triggered and I'm not really hearing what you're saying. It can be that the words that you use don't mean the same thing to me. They mean to you. It can be gender differences in the way we speak and listen. There's about a million ways we can misunderstand each other. It's kind of a miracle we ever understand each other. Yeah, it's the other part about it is, is asking for that clarification like you were talking about it. I think one of the things between you and I that I, I think has helped us out is that we both confirm. We go, Did, am I making sense? And it's not just one of those sayings, am I just making sense to you? It's What are you heart, hearing? It's a heartfelt yeah. understanding. It. Do you understand what I'm saying? You're absolutely right. And you just said the magic word. Is our heart open or are we just listening and talking with our brain? Because it's a completely different conversation when we open our heart to really feel what the other person is saying. We have, we have this really great gift of intuition and, and feeling the energy that's going on between us. And if we take the time to go into that, there's a lot fewer misunderstandings. Yeah, it makes a uh the conversation is much easier, much easier flowing. There's, I wouldn't say there's less conflict. It's more conversation, I should say, to resolve whatever's going on, which is, once again, it comes back to that communication. Yes. Yes. And just being aware of, of the people around us and how they might be interpreting us and, and coming from the heart, coming from a place of love and compassion for ourselves and for the other is another really important aspect to that. So I think that if we're more conscious of all of this during the holidays, during those somewhat uncomfortable at times gatherings that we're a part of, that maybe we can minimize the conflict that happens. Yeah, the at least with families and speaking from personal family experiences, communication seems to be a big thing. We don't communicate in families, and even when we have that tight bond, for whatever reason, we don't want to hurt their feelings, or we think that what we're going to say is going to hurt their feelings, and that whole uh, codependent cycle, trying to take care of somebody else's feelings while taking care of your own, that never works out for the best. No, because we don't really know what they're feeling. All we're doing is guessing. And then we start to shape our behavior on what we think they're feeling. And it's often not even what they're feeling, right? So the whole thing just gets all jumbled up. And then you touched on something else. Not communicating is communicating. I'm going to say that again. Saying nothing, not communicating, communicates something. Because what happens is the other person in that awkward silence makes up a story of what they believe is going on that you didn't say anything. And the longer the silence goes, the more stories get filled in until there we go with another whole situation around a bunch of made up stories that didn't even happen. Right. <laughs> yeah. Well, they happened in that person's mind. Right. What are, <laughs> and that it's a very tricky rabbit hole. I call it because the moment you start creating the environment of, oh, well, you know, they're going to think this, they're going to think that. You're creating that story within your own head to the point that that person might not even <laughs> have that story at all. I remember a situation when I talked to somebody and I made the assumption that they were going to react a certain way and they actually go, oh, I'm really glad you told me. 
Yeah, that's really cool, isn't it? When we're surprised. Mm-hmm. Well, and it happens a lot with technology too. Like if if you don't communicate with me, I can either decide you didn't get my message. I can decide you're thinking about it. I can decide you you weren't interested. And I don't really know, but I'm going to sit over here and make up a story. And the longer I don't hear from you, the more stories I'm going to make up. Now, putting that in the holiday context, if there's people that we haven't communicated with since last Christmas, well, you can bet that there's a story there about why we haven't been in touch, right? Before we even get in the same room. (laughs) There's a lot of stories about that. (laughs) We are master story creators. And as long as we can all own that, that it's probably all a story, very little of it based in fact of anything that's actually happened, most of it's our reactions and our responses and our imaginations, then we can at least try and have a conversation about what's real instead of what's made up in our minds. (laughs) (laughs) It's one of the other parts about communication is the, the, it it has to be an honest place. Because if you speak from the heart, the other person will feel it. If you're speaking in a way to protect the other person's feelings, it's going to come out. I mean, it, it, I've noticed at least for me, when I talked to somebody and I was I was trying to protect them, my words don't flow as easy. And it comes out being inter- misinterpreted sometimes that, oh, well, why did you say this if you meant that and et cetera, et cetera. Well, we've even had those situations where I've been like, are you? Are you trying to protect my feelings? Are you taking care of my feelings? Because I want to know how you really feel. And then I can figure out how I feel about that. And then we can. But we do that, right? When we love somebody, we're we're concerned about preserving the relationship. And so we do walk on eggshells or we don't know how to say certain things. And especially at the holidays when there's generations together under one roof, that is such a fascinating dynamic in of itself because what language means to one generation isn't what it means to another either. So then you've got another way that we can misunderstand each other. Definitely. The generation gap is, <laughs> that that's a big one too because I remember with, with my grandma that passed away, she... That was one of the things that she would be able to relate with everybody by storytelling. And it's funny that the stories had some meaning behind it in, in some context for her. But the the way I converse with my mom compared to my grandma is also very different. And even talking to my sister or my nieces, my nephews, there is definitely a difference in the generations. And, you know, sometimes the communication happens via social media because that's the way they they like to talk. Yeah, (laughs) really. And I've even seen that within the same room. Like, why are we sitting over here texting each and and Facebooking our pictures and we're all in the same room? Why don't we? So I guess I don't want to spend too much time on this. We could probably do shows and shows on communication. I hope some of this is helpful to you. And bottom line, if we open our heart before we open the door and walk into the situation, things are going to go a lot better if we stay with an open heart and focus on the love that we have for these people. That's the reason that we're with them in the first place. And now on to our Christmas theme. There they are, the names of the reindeer. Comet and Cupid and Donner and Blitzen. I don't know why it never occurred to me that there might be something more to that story. But it was brought to my attention over the last couple of weeks that there's another 
backstory to that story. And it has to do with the Amanita muscaria mushrooms. Right, Mario? Yeah, there's uh, definitely a lot of relations to that. <laughs> you know me, the little research geek. Uh, I'm always curious about different uh, shamanic tools that they use, and some of them are plant medicine. And with plant medicine, one of the mushrooms that Siberian shamans used were the Amanita muscaria, or they call it the fly agaric, or it has various names. And if you don't know what it looks like, it looks it's red on the top, and it has little white dots. It looks like Santa. Yeah, it looks like Santa. <laughs> Which is why I can't believe it never occurred to me that flying reindeer and Santa rising up the chimney might actually have come from somewhere in an altered state by so, somebody. <laughs> so there's various stories about it. That one of the stories that, I, that I've read about is that there were Siberian shamans that were just walking around the villages and giving you mushrooms these amanita muscaria mushrooms and that people would throw them in the in the chimney and you know lo and behold everybody was having lots of fun you know so they were joy and jolly while they were doing a lot of that. and there's the chimney <laughs> cool that's interesting yeah and so that was one of them uh also the presence they're saying uh, what a lot of people don't know if, if you are looking for the amanita muscaria mushroom they're usually under pine trees so if you find them underneath there, it's the presence for people. Huh. So, and it gets, of course, intermingled with uh, paganism and then Christianity takes it right. over. But there, there's a lot of similarities about that. So what, what does joy and jolly mean? It's going to take a whole different meaning now when you think about it. <laughs> so are the flying reindeer. <laughs> and, and think about Rudolph. What does he have? He has a red nose, right? That's just way too funny. And I felt really naive after Mario started sharing all this with me and my other friend who had, had heard about it in conversation. I was like, how did that never occur to me before? Now, Alice in Wonderland, I can totally get that. I mean, that's pretty oh, obvious. Yeah, that to that me. one is pretty. <laughs> I mean, they're sitting on a mushroom. Come on. So it's, but that, that's also really interesting about, about that, that mushroom in particular because it, it is found very easily. In certain areas, but it it all started supposedly in the Siberian area over there with the shamans and because that's one of their mushrooms that they use. Well, you know, I think the reason that it never occurred to me to look at it this way is because we're told this sweet little Santa Claus story from from infancy. So, you know, I'm not thinking that my parents are selling me on a story about mushroom tripping, right? And it just <laughs> never occurred to me. And I don't even know if they ever considered that. Well, and you also got to think about where where's the Siberia also. The Siberian regions are in the Arctic. So, ah, the North Pole. The North Pole. <laughs> how, That's just too funny. How far down the rabbit hole should we <laughs> say the mushroom do you want to go? <laughs> okay, well, while we're talking about this in a fun context, it might be nice to share a little bit about how... This mushroom that I'm talking, I'm over here talking about tripping, right? How is this actually a medicinal mushroom? What do people use this for in terms of healing or expanding their consciousness? Well, it's plant. Me- the the shamans consider it like plant medicine. So it's it's like every other mushroom out there that's uh, hallucinogenic. It's not as hallucinogenic as say the psilocybin mushrooms. What they do in the ceremony, you, you ingest it. Some of them smoke it. Some of them put it in a tea. It, it depends on the style of training that the shaman had 
or the traditions that they follow. Then they, just like ayahuasca, they enter this altered state, and the shaman just kind of guides you through that. And it's so it's very. There's nothing different about how it's used. It's just the history behind it that it's kind of the the mystery. The so the whole Santa Claus part of it that that makes it more much more entertaining. And I mean, there is actually some discussion about it. it some people say, are going as far as back as saying that maybe the whole legend came because what the Amanita Muscaria is red, and so Santa Claus, that big red suit, or maybe the shamans, you know how some of their outfits look pretty massive and and pretty big too. So, <laughs> so they look like Santa Claus. They look like Santa Claus. So there's a lot to that, and I find it very entertaining. I, if you ever want to look for it, just do the Siberian Amanita Muscaria uh, Santa Claus, and then you'll find tons of stories, and we'll put a couple in this article. They talk about each of the reindeer's names and how that has some relation to it, which is pretty funny, too. No, and the other part also, in, in the article, it also talks about the uh, Garrick property. So the, the Amanita Muscaria is more of a kind of mellows you out type feeling. So they, it is, you will melt away soon is what they're talking about. <laughs> then the man would see his leg. This is part of the article. Legs, arms, and body melt away. And he would say, oh, why why have I eaten that of the agaric, which is the type of mushroom? Now I am gone. So the magic of the mushroom, Santa Claus coming through the chimney, melting through the chimney, and then recreating himself. So, <laughs> that's pretty interesting so so you can go into it and some historians are actually having a lot of discussions it's it's really funny when you start taking it into the context because the the mushroom is a very sacred thing too and santa claus you know because of christianity it's also the the holidays so they're they were trying to make it into more of a sacred ritual. Well, I so, don't know how sacred Santa is. Santa no, not, seems not to be sacred, like for the kids. Not sacred, but more of the event. You know, what do you do? You go to church. They try to make the whole holiday sacred, which shamans back then were also considered kind of like a sacred type event. So when they were going and having fun, they were also being healed through the shaman. I can get that. But, you know, for a lot of people, they would say this is sacrilegious, that we're doing this show about this when it's Christmas is about the birth of Jesus. And, you know, there's many discussions about it. Yeah. And which position do you want to take and uh, or do we want to take? I mean, that where did the original Santa Claus come in? If you look at this historical parts of it, there, there was the pagans had the symbolism of the tree. And then during... Uh, Christianity's rise, you know, even Halloween was a big uh, pagan holiday, and Christians were losing a lot of ground to paganism, so the, or Wiccans, and they had to do something to to get their population up. And right. and there's nothing wrong with it. I mean, it's it's just that they were trying to get more people to follow their religion. And it's interesting how as these things became bound together following generations would believe that they were always bound together, right? Like it had always been that way, and it hasn't always been that way. In fact, we were talking before the show 
there's even discussion of when was Jesus actually born? What did it have anything to do with December 25th? I mean, how we've kind of rearranged all of this and put it together into the story we have today is interesting. Yeah, the and, and that's the interesting part about history is that because it goes from generation to generation to generation, the stories change. Once again, that's a shamanic principle. The, the shamans pass the story, and the story morphs with generation after generation. So I wouldn't be surprised if Santa Claus was the mushroom originally. <laughs> <laughs> and shamans can't claim ownership of stories. I think no. that's a human tradition to pass stories, and we well, got yes. lots of them. <laughs> I just like using the shamanic principles because that's kind of a lineage that's been universal throughout Throughout all these moments of paganism, Christianity, there's always been some type of shamanic practices there. It's just, it's kind of like the universal path that a lot of people have followed, and then there's deviations of it. Because even the Christianity church talks about shamanism in there, too. Right. So, so it's a lineage that's been going on forever, and that's why I use it. Right. And that's good. That's good that we have something like that to come back to. But for some people... I mean, again, what we do to language, right? The the expression shaman and shamanic has all this baggage around it now. It's got to be this. It's got to be that. So even when you say the shamanic lineage to different people, that means something completely different. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's there's so many definitions. And it comes back to the what you were talking about previously, about communication, <laughs> how we communicate and how how we pass those stories has a lot to do with it. The words we use, how we react to the stories, how we do that and respond to that. Because there's some people that might not like that, what we're saying, and they're in turn going to say their story, how they heard it. It's like that, uh, What's that game where you tell yeah. one person one thing and then by it passes the end of around it, the yeah. circle and then you see what story you get back and it has nothing to do with the original story. I've always find those really cool. Yeah, especially now when you think about that game, those people are sitting in a circle doing their very best to get it right, Mm -hmm. and it gets that messed up. So can you imagine in daily life when we're just kind of halfway paying attention and going through our life, how muddled up everything can get? Oh, sorry, I was updating my Facebook (laughs) Oh, my goodness. So do we have anything else we want to share about this whole adventure of the Santa Claus and the reindeer story and and the Amanita Muscadia? Well, start like you said at the very beginning of, of this part of the podcast, the Dasher and Prancer <laughs> and Vixen, and you'll—I bet you'll never see the Rudolph nose at the same ever again. <laughs> Well, I guess that's going to go ahead and wrap up our special Christmas show. I hope you've had a couple of laughs with us. I really wish for you and yours a very peaceful, loving, open-hearted holiday season. And we will definitely be back with you to start the new year right. Happy holidays. Would you like to be a guest on Exploring Possibilities? Drop me a note at info at journeyofpossibilities.com. Thanks so much for joining us and we'll see you next time on Exploring Possibilities.